0: Good morning welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Everybody doing well today? A little cold today? Look at your neighbor and just say this, you look hot. Just say that. Just go ahead, say that. It's okay. Some of you that are dating, you're like, thank you, God. And I want you to look at the person that just said you look hot and you go, I know. Just say that. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. On a cold day like today, it's good to feel hot. Amen? Amen. No? Amen. I'm going to wake you guys up at some point in time. So uh, it's great to have you today. So glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Uh, we've been in a series for the, since the beginning of the year called Go for Gold. And there's a card that's on the seat that you're, that you're, where you're seated uh, that says Go for Gold at the top. And it kind of explains a little bit about the ideology, the metaphor, kind of the, the illustration that we use here at Life Church about that the church is a table where people come to be fed, and that we're serving up Jesus Christ. He, Jesus said he's the bread of life. And so there's the food dude in the blue chair that serves up the bread of life hot and fresh every week, serve the seeker, build the believer. Uh, There's the red chair for people that are far away from God. We think that a healthy church has people that are far away from Jesus that feel welcome and love to be able to come in and hear the life-changing message of Jesus. And uh, then there's the green chair, people that are new in their faith, new to the faith community. Then there's the gold chair, which just kind of stands for the maturity. This is someone who's fully engaged in all facets here at Life Church. And so the, the goal from my heart as a pastor is to get you to take whatever step forward just to continue to move around that table, to move from the red chair, we all began there, to move to the green chair, to move from the green chair to the gold chair and remain in that gold chair. And sometimes remaining in the gold chair is, it's not a passive, it's very active. Uh, Paul will talk to the church in Galatia in Galatians chapter 6 and says, don't become weary in doing good. For in due season, if you don't quit, you'll have a reward. A life church translation of that would be, uh, don't become weary in, 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 in striving for and staying in that gold chair position because if you stay there and you remain there and you be faithful there, uh, then God will bring about the reward and the things that are in your heart to do. And as a pastor, that's, that's, my, that's my heart. It's to see you grow and mature. That we, we call that discipleship, spiritual maturation, that you're growing in your faith personally and together as a congregation that we continue to grow and to do that. And so in order to do that, we started week one talking about the why. Everybody has a why. There's a cause. There's a calling. Even Jesus said of himself that this is the cause, that it was to seek and save that which is lost. And so we all have a cause. We have a why. And for Paul, we, we, we unpacked it that first week that his calling, his why, was to, was to bring the gospel, the good news, to the Gentiles. Uh, to people that were outside the Jewish uh, ethnicity and the Jewish faith uh, that were not that, you know, because the Jews were, were exposed to Jesus because he was there and, and that's where the message was too. But, but, but that message didn't just remain with the Jews, it goes to the Gentiles, those that are non-Jewish. And so, so the reality is, is that that was Paul's why. And everybody has a why. And so we started talking about what is your why. And then from the why always comes the how which is a process it's the journey it's the it's it's how the why begins to work and develop in your life it's the track that it runs on and then the what is is extends from the why and that's what I want to talk about today the what is is the product for lack of a better term, if you're gonna use a business illustration, is uh, the, 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 uh, the why is kind of the mission, uh, the vision, the, the, the reason that the organization uh, exists, the, 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 the how is the proprietary process in which that, that whatever that, that you're doing uh, happens by, and then the what is the product. And so what is always needs to be informed by why. What is always easy to figure out because we see the what. But why is something that's internal. And so for some of you, you may go, well, let's just pick on me for a minute. Well, you know, hey, man, your, your why is preaching. No, preaching is a what. My preaching, my pulpit ministry, my uh, communication, my delivery system, that what is, extends from the why. The why is about life change. If there was a better way to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ that didn't involve me doing this, I wouldn't do this. I do this because we know that the word of God says, by the foolishness of preaching, men and women come to repentance. So that's God's mechanism. That's God's what for delivery system on the why that's on my life. I have, I, I mean, what, so, so what I do, whether I'm counseling with someone, whether I'm meeting with someone, whether I'm teaching, uh, I'm doing a little travel this week where I've been asked to speak and I'm going to actually be doing a, a, a chapel, uh, on Monday in North Carolina and, and I'm, I'm there and I'm doing that's, that's a what that comes out of my why. My why is, is to see people far away from God come to faith in Jesus Christ and to see people that are, are, are in church that are in faith in Jesus Christ to see their their uh, relationship with Christ go to a, such a level that they invest and invite in inviting other people to see other people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because the only thing we get to do this side of eternity, is to see people lost come to faith in Christ. Everything else we get to do in heaven. But this side of eternity, evangelism, that's the only thing we get to do. And so, so that's what drives me, that's my why. My what is preaching or teaching or communicating or, or conversing with people, that's, that is a byproduct. And the same thing is true in your life. You are not just an engineer or not just an educator or not just a business owner, that, that's your what, but that extends from a why. And so the, I wanna dive into the what today. I wanna talk a little bit about the what. So Acts chapter 20, which is where I want you to go to, we began this series in verse 24. If you go to the two preceding verses, verse 22 and verse 23, Paul will explain the what behind the why that he gives us in verse 24. So Acts chapter 20, excuse me, verse number 22, it says this, and now, this is Paul speaking, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. Verse 24, we read this in the first week. This is Paul's why. However, considering the two preceding verses, I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. What is that? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's his why. Why? So what's happening in verse 22 and verse 23, the going to Jerusalem, uh, being compelled by the Holy Spirit, the prisons and the hardships, those are all what's. Those are all what's that are based on the why. Paul never goes to Jerusalem unless he has a why. Paul never goes to prison unless he has a why. Paul never faces that level of hardship unless he's driven by the why. But because of the why, that produces the what. And the what cannot inform the why. That's, that's, that's the wrong way of doing it. That's the way most of us look at it and kind of go, well, you know, Ford Motor Company, they produce trucks. No, that's a what, but that's not the why. Why do they produce trucks? What's the why behind that? What's, what's the ideology? What's, 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 their, what's their mission? What is it, why do they exist? See, to go back to that. And the same thing is true in our own lives. It's the what that we do has to be informed by the why. And when it's informed by the why, then it makes whatever it is that God's called us to do doable. The reason why sometimes we don't do what God's called us to do is because we're not really in touch with the why. And and sometimes the reason why we don't do what God wants us to do is because we really don't understand the why. But when you get the why, the what naturally follows. And, and so I want to look at this, and, and there's a couple of components here, this what, it's a word I'm going to use called calling, because it's the easiest way for me to describe it, this process of calling, this, this process, this, this is going to be true. These are principles, characteristics, steps if you want to, that Paul will unpack in verse 22 and verse 23, that happen in every single time when you go from your why to your what. The first thing is a prompting. There's always a prompting. Especially in life of a Christ follower, there's always a prompting. Paul will say in verse 22, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. The word compelled means to be initiated by or to be be, um, uh, urged by, uh, to be prompted by. So so there is this thing inside of you that just says, look, this is my why. I feel like I am called to do this. I feel like I am called to to be an actor. I feel like I'm called to be in politics. I feel like I'm called to to be a stay-at-home parent. I feel like I'm called to whatever that calling is, to be a missionary. But but that comes from there is a prompting. uh, There is a compelling. There is something inside of you that just it's there. And, um, and so, so it, it's true in, in, in any situation, if you watch any like, you know, ESPN, you know, uh, 30 by 30 kind of, kind of clips or any type of, 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 of biographies of, 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 people that do great things, most of the time, they're going to tell you way back when there was something inside of them that just, I want to do that. I want to be on that stage. I, I want to be on that field. I, I want to perform at that level. There, there's that. Not always, but many times there is that, but before anybody becomes successful, however you define find success. There's something inside. There's something there that says, this is what I was born to do. This is what I was destined to do. This is, this is it. This is that, that compelling. This is, that, that's it. That's my sweet spot. It resonates. Uh, Jim Collins in Good to Great, not a Christian book at all. Uh, C- Collins isn't a Christ follower, but Collins says that basically there's three major circles in life and where these three major circles in life intersect, that's your sweet spot. So what you're good at, what you like to do, and what people are willing to pay you to do. And so when you can find where those three things come together, that kind of helps you to identify. But even when you identify that from a kind of a, just a, an, an objective type of a way, there's got to be some urging, some something from your spirit, from your emotion, from internal, I'm going to get real deep on you spiritually, from your knower, right? You know and you're an hour, anybody, right? You just know, like, this is it. This is, this, 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 this is it. This isn't emotion, it's more than emotion. There's something about this. I can't get away from this. This is what I'm called to do. I wanna stop here, because this is what I do believe. I believe, and I feel very strong about this, and you're gonna hear me talk about this over the course of probably the next, uh, probably year to two years, I'm gonna be kind of salt and peppering and seasoning some, some sermons and weekend messages with this. I think there are young, your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews that attend Life Church, that God has a call on their life. A call into vocational ministry. And I think He's speaking to students. And I think He's speaking to kids right now that are in Life Kids. Not currently, right at this moment, but I'm saying like, it's going to begin to, there's going to be something that's going, and, and as they get into middle school and into high school and they begin to develop, you go, that's crazy. No, it's biblical because when, when, when uh, Samuel is left at the house of Eli in order, because, because his mother, uh, Hannah, prayed for a son and God gave her what she asked for, so she gave him back to the Lord, God speaks directly to Samuel about the call that's on his life, not to the high priest Eli. And Samuel keeps hearing his voice being called, and he keeps thinking it's the high priest Sam, Eli. And so Samuel keeps going to Eli, and Eli realizes what happens. And the Old Testament records that, um, that Eli says to Samuel, Go back and lay down in your bed. And when you hear that voice again calling your name, that's the Lord, Samuel. He's calling you, he's speaking to you. And I think there are young people, students at Life Church, that God has plans for them to be pastors and youth pastors and kids pastors and missionaries and evangelists and do things all around the world. Greater things than what I can do, greater things than what we can do that will come up from this place. I've never said that in almost 17 years of pastoring here, but I sense that this is a season where this is happening. And I'm saying this moms and dads so that you understand this, that in everybody's why, when you get to the what, there's this compelling that takes place. I mean, I'm a kid that grew up and, and played sports and we, we hung out at the boys' club. And so Jeffrey's Boys Club is where we hung out. And then there was Sutton Pond, which we weren't supposed to go there because we they always thought we were going to get drowned over there. And we rode BMX bikes and we played every club sport, basketball, baseball, football, everything, soccer. We did everything. Uh, we played pool. Uh, we, we, you know, played basketball after school. We hung out, we did all that kind of stuff. But when I was in the fourth grade, because I got saved in the first grade, anybody raised in church, got saved in the first grade, kind of backslid in the second grade, third grade, fell away from the Lord. I had a radical conversion experience by the time I got to the fourth grade. I was really on fire for the Lord. But, but, but the reality is, is I would tell my friends, my buddies I was playing ball with and, and just hang after school uh, about Jesus and invite them to church. It was just who I was, but there was something more to it. And then as I got into junior high, seventh grade. So that's when we didn't have middle school, went right from elementary to junior high. I started a, a Bible club called Partners in Christ. It was 7.30 every Monday morning because school started at 8.30, 7.30 every Monday morning in, in Miss Stephanie Jean's art class. And I had, we would average about 75 to 85 junior high students every, and then I would work with having speakers to come in. Does this surprise any of you? Speakers to come in and do all this, but I'm in seventh grade, right? I'm riding my BMX bike, ha- rocking my vans, hanging out at the mall, right? Talking my, talking my smack to all the ladies. And uh, right, I was all four foot 10. And right with my bowl cut and then my vanilla ice slits on the side. Come on, take me back in the mullet. Anybody? Take me back. 501 button fly jeans because I was trying to be cool like that. Rocking some Dexters. Anybody? I just took some of you way back. Okay. So, but I, I led 65 friends to the Lord. Where does that come from? There is a compelling, there's something that was beginning to emerge, a why in me that I could not repress and couldn't just go back from. That's what I'm talking about. So my preaching today isn't, this is the what, but the why goes all the way back to, I wanna see people far away from God come to faith in Jesus. And and I don't want to do it in a weird way. I think it happens to relationships. I don't like fruits, flakes, and nuts. I don't like goofy church services. I don't like church fights. I hate church fights. I absolutely hate church fights. Peace out, Girl Scout. I'm out right? I'm not doing that. I mean, just because I grew up and I, I don't like churchy. I don't like cheesy church because I, I, I just don't think lost people get that. I think lost people see through that all day long and twice on Sunday. But I think when someone, when one beggar tells another beggar where to find food, that's when that's created. That's when there is a, that's the compelling piece of that. Every one of you have a prompting to the calling to the why in your life. And I'm saying that for those of you that have kids, they're discovering that as you go along. Even with my 17-year-old we're looking at colleges and we're going to look and we've been to California and and we're going to go to Florida next month. And and we're looking at different schools in different parts of the country. And she wants to, she has a couple things she'd like to do, but doesn't really know what she's called to do. And, and I just said, you know what, you're going to tell me where you want to go to college. Well, dad, you got to help me. No, 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 no. You're old enough now. You can, you can hear from God for yourself. Oh, no, don't put that on me. No, I don't feel called in the ministry like you do. I said, I understand. This is not about being called in the ministry. This is that God has a call and a plan for every person's life. It's not just people that are called to vocational ministry. This is people that own businesses. This is people that they're, they're in communications. This is people that they go on to, to, to be vice presidents of corporations. These are people that are educators and that are, that are attorneys and that are accountants. God calls people to be CPAs and work for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, he'll speak to you about where you go to school. So no pressure, but the rest of your life existing on this. You just tell me what you think. (laughs) How else is she going to know the voice of God unless Eli says to Samuel, go back to your room. And when he speaks, listen, that's what you have to do to teach and train your, because we all deal with this. Secondly, we see there's uncertainty. There's uncertainty in the process of the calling. It's not always crystal clear And, and thank God, but that's frustrating too. Look at verse 22. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem, but not knowing what will happen to me there. If you've ever had uncertainty in what God wants you to do in your life, in your career, that verse should really, 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 really resonate with you. Hey man, I'm going this way, but I don't know what's going on. I can't tell you how many times I've sat on this platform and said, hey, I feel like God's calling us to do something in the city. I don't know where it's gonna be. Somebody's got a building that was about a year ago and I have no clue and I'm walking off and I'm thinking, oh dear God, I need you to show up because my mouth just wrote a check that I can't cash. We call that the Holy Spirit. That's just crazy sometimes. But the reality is is sometimes I don't have the full enchilada. Most of the time, I don't have the full enchilada. Most of the time, you don't know the whole deal. If you really knew all the plans that God has for you, it would freak you out. If you really knew what he wanted you to do, you might go, "Uh, no, no, thanks. Have a nice day, Lord. You know, I don't really, that's kind of, that's not me. You don't, you got the wrong number. And wouldn't it be great if God just sent you a text or an email and told you exactly what to do? Hey, somebody said, yeah, you're looking for clarity. I get you, right, all the time. It's just like, just tell me, God, I'll go, I'll do, I'll say. But probably we would argue with it. Maybe that went to the wrong person. Uh, Can you explain that a little bit more? Can you give me a little bit more insight? The reality is, is that the what in your life as a Christ follower There are gonna be moments where you're going to completely get it and it's all gonna come together for you. And there's other moments where it's like, this is very cloudy. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not far away from God. God doesn't not love you. It's just part of the journey. Remember this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is a currency of heaven. Faith is me trusting. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is speaking things that are not as though they are. It's literally standing there in that moment just going, I don't know. Oh, That's all I know. When Tammy and I moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma in 2002, I had no idea what was going to happen in Germantown. Here's what I knew. I knew that God was going to do a great work and he was asking me to be a part. That's it. Had I known it was gonna be like for the rest of my life, no, I'm just teasing, right? I mean, I'm just saying like, and I can't imagine my life any other way. And I could sit here for the next hour and I won't and just explain all the blessings that God's brought to my life by doing this. But I'm saying, but Proverbs says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. So trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll guide and direct your path. I learned a long time ago to follow Jesus there's a lot of uncertainty. That's the reason why most people don't follow Christ, because it's not easy. Contrary to Bill Maher, uh, uh, following Jesus is not an easy thing to do. It's not something for people that need a crutch through life. Being atheistic or agnostic or following the devil, that's for people need a crutch through life because that way I can get I can get high, I can get lit, I can do anything I want to do and there's no law against it. But when I follow Jesus, I have to trust him. Because because alcohol is not my comfort and drugs are not my comfort and these other activities are not my comfort. My comfort is the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have to lean into that tension. I can't abdicate it. I can't walk away from it. I have to lean into it. And it's not always certain, which is always sometimes scares me. But what I know is whether I, I, I the Bible says I ascend to the heavens, God's there, or I make my bed in the very pit of hell, God's there. I cannot escape Him. He'll be with me, but He doesn't take me out of harm's way always. He just walks with me through it. But there's uncertainty. There's also resistance. There's resistance. Sometimes you hear, well, if you're doing what God wants you to do, it's all going to be easy. No, it won't. When you do what God wants you to do, most of the time all hell breaks loose. And if you're going through hell, don't stop. Just keep going. Do you understand? Like just keep moving through that. Verse 23 says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Why would you go if you know that prison and hardship are, are facing you? Because the why, to, to take the gospel to the Gentiles, the why of doing that is what pushes Paul to this. He doesn't want to go to prison. He doesn't want to go through hardships, but he knows that this is part of what God's asking of him to do, and so he's going to trust that. But when you follow what God's asking you to do, you're gonna have haters. You're gonna have people that are gonna tell you that you're never gonna make it. You're gonna have people that tell you that it won't work. You're gonna have people that will tell you all kinds of stuff. I'll never forget within the first 90 days of being in Germantown, I met someone for lunch uh, right over at, at Briscoe County and I had lunch. It wasn't in the church. It was, it was another pastor in the area and, and he and I had a mutual friend and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be great. It's going to be another friend. I don't really know anyone here and, and I'm just trying to navigate this and, and I'm having lunch and that, that gentleman began to just tell me how wrong I was for coming here, how crazy my ideas were, how this would never work here. I needed to go back to the South because it would not work in the Upper Midwest. He, he so hacked me off. That's a nice way of saying it. So hacked me off that I lost my appetite, which is something I don't do. (laughs) And I remember putting my fork down and I looked at him. I said, they may fire me. My backup plan is I'm moving to Boca Raton. If I leave here, I'm going to someplace where it's a sunny beach somewhere. I don't care, but that's what I'm going to do. I've never gotten there. I've never even really actually been to Boca Raton, but it was just, it sounded nice. And so I just said, I don't know, but here's what I do know. This is what he's put in my heart to do. This is where he's told me where to go. And so I'm just gonna do this. And if they run me out of town, they run me out of town. All I can do is knock the dust off my feet and go go on. I'm not gonna fight people. I'm not gonna fight church people, especially, because nobody, you know who loses when churches fight? Lost people. Lost people. That's why I won't fight church people. That's why if I find out that there's a goat in the foyer, and I'm talking about in the form, you know, the Bible says that all people are either wolves, sheep, or they're goats. Sheep, they're people that are are part of the body of Christ. Goats are people that want to cause trouble, and wolves are trying to devour the sheep. As a shepherd, my job, if I see a wolf, I take them out. You like that? That's my spiritual gift. If I see a goat, I shoo them out. And I, cause we're just, we're not going to deal with that. And, and, but what, because, because, and so I just said, look, I'm not fighting anybody, but this is what God's put in my heart to do, which consequently is everything we're doing now, the worship and the kids ministry and all that, the way we do it. I just knew this is what God called me to do. And so I, and, and you know, and so you fast forward, but 17 years, 16 years later, you know, that guy's been in multiple places, multiple churches, multiple situations. Not really successful at any of it. Later at one point looked at me and said, if I would have had the great start that you had at Germantown, I could have really done something. To which at that point I said, no, sir, you have what you have because that's what you have, because that's what you can handle. Not being mean to you, but you know, welcome to my world. And so the deal is, is I'm just saying, there are times where people are gonna, you're doing good things, you're doing God's work, you're doing whatever, and people are gonna come against you. People are gonna oppose you. Just remember this, Galatians, excuse me, Ephesians chapter, I'll get it right in a a minute. Ephesians chapter six, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not people. It's the enemy of your soul and my soul that wants to destroy the work of God. So when God's put something in your heart to do, not everybody's gonna like it. Not everybody's gonna welcome it. Not everybody's gonna applaud it. Not everybody's gonna help you. Matter of fact, there'll be people that will try to hurt you. There'll be people that will try to, 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 to speak ill against you. There'll even be people inside the church, maybe even church leaders that won't support it and will try to speak ill of you. It's okay. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If God's in it, it'll happen. And you can get a Diet Coke and a bag of Funyuns and watch it happen, amen? But you're gonna deal with resistance. The last thing is clarity. When you have a why that informs your what, there's always gonna be clarity in your life. This is the peace that comes from this. This is why I go back to the why. So look at verse 24 again, because 24 is the why. Paul says, however, so the resistance, the uncertainty, the prompting, however, I consider my life worth nothing that I may finish the race, complete the task which Jesus Christ has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. When you know why you are on the planet, then that's it. You can let, haters are gonna hate. So you can just shake, shake, shake it off in the words of the great theologian, Taylor Swift, right? Seriously. <laughs> I'm really into I'm songs right now. So I'm about to go to Bon Jovi, living on a prayer, but I'm just gonna keep going. I, I, what I'm trying to say to you is, is that it's just gonna, but you know who you are and you know what God's called you to do. And there's a confidence in that. I can't tell you how many times I've sat on the parking lot here and said, God, I didn't ask to come here. I didn't ask to do this. You called me. This is your church, it's not mine. I'm simply doing what you're asking me to do. I either need you to open the doors and provide for this or shut the doors and let me know if I'm missing something, forgive me, give me grace to get this right, but you provide at this point. I'm gonna leave these worries and these concerns here because they're not mine. I am going home and I will be here tomorrow. Why? Because I know what he's called me to do. And I know that I can't make things happen. I know I can't, I, I can't make you do something you don't want to do. I can't make us do something we don't want to do. I, I, I can't make God do something he doesn't want to do. I just, I try to get in sync. But at the end of the day, I know he's called me. And that's the greatest grace and strength that I have is this what I'm called to do. And that's what it means to live out the what. So I want to end today, and I want you to grab this, this card real quick. And on the back side of the card, it's the exact same card that was there last week. Especially if you're a regular Life Church attender, if you're a guest, uh, again, I don't expect you to do anything unless you go, man, today I want to be a part of Life Church and so then this is great. But if not, uh, you're a regular Life Churcher, I, I just give me your name, your email, your phone number, however you want me to, however week you want me to follow up. But there are steps that I'm asking you to take that move every one of us to what I call that gold chair. It may be soap, so participating in just daily devotion. There's no way God's going to speak to you unless you, Unless, unless you're in his word. Maybe you're in a red chair and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, and you make the decision today, I'm going to follow Christ. Check that box. Life track. Again, you're in the green chair and you're here. If you've not gone through Life Track, Life Track is about the doctrine of design, the DNA of Life Church, and how you get connected to that to take a spiritual assessment. It happens during the weekend services every weekend here at Life Church. Just check the box and we'll follow up with you. Our job is to serve you, to make it easy for you and for your schedule. Life team. Find a place to serve. Connect your why to your what. Life group, get into a life group. We've been talking about that the last couple weeks. Water baptized. It's amazing to me the number of of adult Christians that have never been water baptized. And I get it, you're getting dunked in front of other people and that kind of a deal. And so I'd just like to hold you under for a few minutes. I'm just teasing, are you awake? But the opportunity to be able to just say, hey man, I'm gonna go public with my faith. Um, Giving at life church or greater where you go, you know what, I'm gonna to begin to trust God with the obedience of bringing the tithe, or I'm going to begin to give towards greater, which is above and beyond. So missions around the corner, around the world. Go on a missions trip. Again, this doesn't obligate you, It just this is, this is a deal to say, hey, this is something I, I wanna do. I, I, I think if you're a gold chair person, I, I won't make this exclusive, but, but, but a missions trip, this is just too intrinsic, because I think missions is, is, is caught, not taught. Um, invite someone to Life Church. Again, one of the greatest compliments you can pay me is not great sermon or this changed my life. But when you trust me enough that you invite a friend, a coworker or a neighbor to come with you to a weekend service. That is the highest compliment I can ever receive from you. You know why? Because that says, I trust that you're not going to do anything weird that's going to embarrass me. And if there's something that we're doing that you go, if you didn't do this, I would invite someone. Please tell me. You can email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at lifechurchwi.com, and I mean that with all sincerity. I don't want anything to be offensive to anybody except for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's something that we're doing that we don't even know, it's like some weird tick that we have as a church, that you're going, that's just kind of weird, that doesn't make any sense to me, then tell me that. But we do our utmost at every campus to make sure that we, we navigate this correctly. Uh, become a member at Life Church. You know, if that's something that you want to do, that's the highest Basically, the, the highest point of just saying, hey, man, I want to be committed in this way. Lead a life group. The last thing is legacy team. And this is something that's new uh, that I just want to explain just for a second, and then I'm going to pray. Legacy team is this. We don't do a really good job in church um, uh, celebrating people that have what I call, what Paul calls to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 12, the gift of giving. There's some of you that have the ability to either acquire wealth, distribute wealth, you have resources. This is true in the Old Testament. It was a priest and king relationship. In the New Testament, it, 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 there were people that were always connected to the ministry of Jesus. So Joseph of Arimathea, where did they put his body? He was a very well-known, very powerful individual who had affluence and influence in the community of Jerusalem and with the government. Jesus is in a borrowed tomb. That was J- Joseph that would come to him and would, would begin to ask and inquire of him. Uh, Priscilla, who was a businesswoman who was around the, the ministry of Paul, uh, who was, who was a, basically earned a mercantile business and, and, and what we would call like a, a clothing type of a, a textile plant in today's society, was someone that came around Paul that says, how do I fund what God's calling you to do? There's, there's people that have that ability and sometimes in church, we don't want to celebrate that because the book of James says, if there's any favoritism, then, 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 then you show favoritism, then that's wrong. And I completely agree with that. But you're also show, showing disfavoritism towards people that may have affluence and influence. And sometimes some of the most marginalized people in churches are not the down and out, they're the up and the over. And so how do we do that? Because you can't like look at what people give because guess what? You may be working as a door greeter at Walmart, and then all of a sudden your great aunt Mildred died, and you you just got a huge inheritance, and you tied on it, so your money giving last year just spiked. And so it's not about an amount of money. You can't do it that way. You can't look at what people drive, because that's or what they wear or where they live. So what I what we've come up with is this: is that if you have that gift of giving, allow you just to kind of self-identify. And here's what that means: that means. Aaron, I, I'm, I'm an individual who I just, I know how to create businesses. I know how to um, finances. I, 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 maybe you were born into it, maybe you created it, but there's an influence and an affluence that you have in your life that you wanna leverage for the kingdom. So if you do that, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna give me the opportunity with you outside of a weekend service, so it doesn't feel like I'm talking about money all the time, outside of a weekend service to be able to get with you and a group of people that self-identify themselves as, hey, we're on legacy team, to be able to say, here's an opportunity in this part of the world that you could be a part of. Here's an opportunity in this part of the world that you could be a part of. Here's a missions project that came across my desk, we don't have the money for. If God speaks your heart, you wanna do something you can be a part of. Here's something we're happening here, 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 and here, it's that simple. And so it keeps me from having to identify you because I don't know who you are. I don't know what all the gifting, I don't know what the why is for you. And it keeps that from happening. And it also keeps it from a situation where they're showing favoritism because that's not the desire at all. And, but we all run at the speed of your generosity. And so it allows me to be able to have a real candid conversation and unpack some things. It also, here's the other thing I know, is that people that have this, that Paul talks about this gift of giving, it allows that gift to be able to be utilized because you may say, hey, I've got a heart in the sub-Saharan desert of Africa that I wanna do something. Can you get me connected with some people that are doing something? I'd like to be able to do this in this part of the world. I'd like to be able to do this. What about this? I wanna be able to, All that's how that works. And so if that's you, just simply identify and just check that box. And we've never done this before, so I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but we're just going to get together occasionally and just talk about here's some projects, here's some things, here's some conversations, here's some stuff that we can be able to do because it's what God wants us to do in order to reach our world for Christ. That's it. It doesn't obligate you to anything. You're not, I'm not asking you for more money. I'm simply giving you opportunities to say, why don't you pray about this and see what, what you want to do because that's between you and the Lord. And so I hope that makes sense, but I want to make sure that we are valuing people that are in that lane. And because that's things I hear from time to time, man, I, I, you know, sometimes people that have that, they don't know really how to express that either. And so I think that's the best way to do that. Whatever box you check, here's my desire, is that you understand your why and you move into the what that God's got for you. And then doing so, we're all moving towards that gold chair. Not that we have a gold chair somewhere in the building, so don't think that's like some gold chair in the background we all sit in and, oh, no, there's nothing. It's just, but it's the idea of spiritual maturity so that we're doing everything we can to live our life. And here's what I know. When we do that that way, seek first kingdom of God and His righteousness, and we get that right, then the other things in life begin to come into play. And God begins to bless. Why always happens before the what? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your people. I thank you today, God, for your word. I pray your blessings be upon them and be upon, Lord, the boxes that they check. Because they're just boxes that are checked, but they represent a step forward to growth that they feel that they need, that they feel that they want to be a part of. And so I just ask you would just simply bless our congregation today so that we're able to do more outside the walls of this church to serve our community, to serve our state, our nation, and our world for you in Jesus' name. Amen.